Chapter Twenty of the Pony Rider Boys in Alaska. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. The Pony Rider Boys in Alaska by Frank G. Pachin. Chapter Twenty. Tad discovers something. I don't see our friends, said Ned, an hour later. They're not in their camp, answered Tad. We passed that an hour ago. They have no horses, so they're packing their outfits on their backs. Huh, that's one part of gold madness that I don't want, said Chunky. Do all gold diggers have to pack their outfits? I guess few of them can afford to buy ponies, answered Butler. Then, too, the places they go are usually beyond the reach of anything except a wild animal. We are fortunate if we get through with our stock. Even our ponies that we left at home would never be able to make this rough trail. What's that, Anvik? The guide was pointing to a waving ribbon of white that appeared to reach from point to point on the rocks high above them and some distance ahead. What is it? demanded the boy. Him goat. Mountain goats, look, boys, cried Tad. Stacy threw up his rifle and took a shot. Of course he missed. A leaping mountain coat is not an easy mark, even for the best shot. And the fat boy, while shooting very well, could hardly be called an expert. Those are the animals from which beautiful blankets are made, the professor informed them. Do you know how the Indians get the wool? They pull it out by the roots, I guess, suggested Stacy. Hardly, laughed Ned. Spring is a shedding time. The goats, and leaping from place to place, leave tufts of wool clinging to the rocks and bushes, and this the lazy Indians gather for their blankets, rather than take the trouble to hunt the goats. Squaw him get wool, spoke up Anvik. Worse yet, laughed Butler. You are the laziest folks on earth. Squaw work. Him no talk lies. Him mouth keep shut. The boys laughed at this crude reasoning of the Indian. Did they teach you that at the mission? Make your squaws work? asked Tad Butler. Anvik shook his head slowly. He did not answer in words, but hastened his pony's pace by heavy pull at the halter. All that day the boys kept a lookout for smoke, but in vain. After they had made camp that night, the professor said, there are indications here of unusual formations. If you have no objections, I should like to remain here for a day, perhaps two, and do some research work. Right, Professor, replied Tad. The ponies will be better for a rest, and maybe we can do some hunting. How about it, Anvik? Anvik not care, was the guide's reply. After breakfast the next morning, the Professor set off at once. Now, fellows, said Tad, I propose that Stacy and I follow the ravine to the left, and Ned and Walter go to the right. From the formation, I should say that sometime late in the day we ought to meet. It's wild in those passes, and we should get game. After arranging that three quick shots should announce the finding of camp, and that the distress of one shot, pause, and two quick shots should be called for help, the boys set off, each carrying biscuit, a drinking cup and matches, besides their rifles. The boys trampled all morning without sighting game. After a short rest, the two boys went on again, bearing more to the left. As they trudged on, the sound of rushing water was borne to their ears. Then they came out on a broad stream. 
a torrent that came from the tops of three lofty, ice-covered mountains. "'Let's work up toward that pass,' suggested Tad, wishing to see the gulch from which the stream was flowing. They had worked their way upstream for half a mile when Chunky yelled, "'Look there! What's that?' Tad saw a hideous face projecting above the bushes. At first he was startled. Then he laughed. "'Ah, that's a totem pole, Chunky!' They're put up usually on behalf of the Indian dead to drive the spirits away. Let's go and look at it. The totem pole was standing at the entrance of a second narrow gulch. Sand and shale rock were heaped up at the entrance. A stream flowed through here at one time, Stacy. I imagine it was the same body of water that we've been just looking at. Yeah, said Stacy absently. Say, Tad, let's see who can first hit that evil-looking thing with a stone. Tad laughed and stooped to pick up a stone. As he did, he noticed an arrow cut into the rock on one side of the gulch. The point of the arrow aimed up the gulch. That's queer, muttered the boy. I suppose it's an Indian sign. This is a place of many mysteries. He stooped to pick up the rusty-looking stone that had caught his glance. It was worn full of holes, as if by the action of water and when he took it in his hand, its heaviness aroused his curiosity. Opening his knife, he dug into the stone. Tad's face flushed a vivid red. He uttered a sharp exclamation. "'What is it?' demanded Stacy. "'Nothing much. Maybe I've made a discovery. Don't let's idle here. Let's go on and see if we can get our bear.' "'This seems to be our lucky day,' said the boy, pocketing the stone and once more shouldering his rifle. Come on, mush, as Anvik would say. End of chapter 20 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan